0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store.
1: Live from deep inside Titan Base, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. An embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 270. This is the incredible Ian Bissett, and here, joining me, is my cohort in crime, Mr. Dave AC.
2: Hi, Ian, and we are in the company of the incomparable Louis Trapani. Incomparable?
0: Wow. Well, thank you, thank you. And, and you're joining us live on the Cultum
2: Collective. Yes, with <laughs> infected Podshock. <laughs> We
1: took over CIA Now it's Podchock's turn
0: <laughs> It's like all times It's great to have Ian with us The incredible Ian Bissett And Dave A.C. Cooper The two co-hosts of the cult, the long-running Cultum Collective And every week there's a little new live episode So if in addition to your Doctor Who Podchock um, Consumption uh, A good diet also includes Cultum Collective Indeed was and you can catch that on um, shoe and also on iTunes.
1: And the checks in the mail, Lewis.
0: Thanks. <laughs> so well, it's it's we great. Go on now, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <The> show's over. <laughs> well, we we have a we have a fun show for you planned for this episode, as opposed to all the other episodes that we really didn't have a fun episode, you know, planned. But because we work here. <laughs> that's because yeah. This is like the old days, you know. With um, anyway, but it's it's good to have um, Ian live with us in in the studio, as it were. Even though we're we're speaking across, um, well, for Dave, it's thousands of miles, and well, it's actually uh, probably about a thousand miles between um, Ian and myself right now.
1: Well, hey, at least it's the same as it used to be: two East Coasters and one across the
0: pond. <laughs> yes, we strive to stay international. <laughs> So uh, since our last show, there hasn't been a, a great deal of news, but there, there's been some news. So I guess um, we can go into the news section. And then upcoming, we'll also have um, a um, a review of The Invisible Enemy. OK, so it's going to be another jam-packed, fun show. Dr. Hupachok, thanks for tuning in and listening. Well, who tunes into a? Well, actually, you could actually tune into a podcast now because there are many... Um, you can stream podcasts. Or you can actually tune in, though you won't be tuning in in the middle, but you'll be tuning. Well, I'm going to shut up That'd and just conf- continue with the show. That would
1: be confusing if you came in the middle. You wouldn't get the, that, that lovely introduction. just <laughs> yes. Check the mail. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Since the last show, uh, just recently, Stephen Moffat has come out. Because if you remember um, a couple of shows ago, I, let me I know where I left off there. I didn't mean to leave it off there, but I'm, I'm sort of jumping around. A couple episodes ago, we introduced the new companion, uh, which is uh, Jenna um, Louise, Louise Coleman. And uh, I think what my comment was that um, that you know we obviously we have yet to see her we, we can't really judge her. Uh, I said I, as far as casting goes, it was no surprises. I mean, it was once again you know it it kind of fits the what we come to expect with a Doctor Who companion. No, no, I mean, hopefully maybe she might be cat. Maybe her character is something that might be surprising. We have yet to see that, so that's what I'm hoping for. But as far as the casting decision itself goes there was no surprises there. I mean, it was a a young, beautiful actress that was cast to be the new companion. So um, now Stephen Moffat has come out to say that he's, uh, you know, the reason why the companions are always young, pretty females is, um, quote, you're always going to have that same sort of person just because it's the same man choosing them and it's the same person that's being chosen. I think it's the function of the companion is pretty simple. I don't think it's very difficult. It's just a question of who credibly is going to agree to go in the TARDIS. Who's going to do it? Who? I mean, who's going... Yeah, that's what I... <laughs> I thought I misread that. Who's going to do it? <clears throat> is it going to be a mother of 15 children? No. Is it going to be someone in their 60s? No. Is it going to be a particular age range? I mean, who's going to have a crush on the Doctor? You know, come on. It's going to—it's more than a format. It's an evolved—it's evolved from good dramatic reasons, end quote. So that's what Stephen Moffat had to say about, uh, you know, casting of the companion. And um, I'm going to have to tend to disagree with Stephen there, because I, you know, that— you know obviously it's it's what works in ratings and it's what brings in viewers, but I think you know i I think you could have someone in their sixties as coming in as a companion, um uh, maybe not a mother of fifteen who who has fifteen children i <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe if you did have fifteen children, you wouldn't want to get away and 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 leave and
2: <laughs> the planet. <laughs> I'm sure
1: the Octomom would be happy to get
0: to the TARDIS and disappear
1: for a while.
2: But I think also it's not an adequate description of what's already happening, uh, what's happened. I mean, uh, the Donna Noble character, you know, uh, no, we're not mm-hmm. together. No, no, we're not together. I mean, uh, there, there are differences. I mean, and, there, are, and... there, there have people that have taken the same time. You, you could argue that, uh, you know, the, when it came back in 2005 and you had the episode Rose... And then uh, when we, we jumped to the Martha Jones character, you know, um, Smith and Jones, th- that was a very similar sort of launch mm-hmm. with a similar sort of thing. But it's not always been as tightly defined as that.
0: And you don't need to have a crush on the Doctor. I mean, it helps, but it doesn't. you don't need to. Um, and in fact, I, that gets a little long in the tooth at times when, you know, if every companion that comes on board is doing it because they have... I mean, everyone's going to have some sort of—it depends how you define crush. I mean, it's obviously, it's something that allures and attracts you into, you know, the doctor's company. It doesn't necessarily need to be a romantic crush. It could be— um, I mean,
1: You could say that Donna had a crush.
0: Yeah. I, a, a
1: crush on the sheer fact of spending time with this guy going around the universe, seeing everything that, you know, they could they could see. She wanted to be with him forever,
0: not mm-hmm.
2: because
1: she had a romantic interest, but yeah, because she liked exactly. the, the lifestyle.
2: Yeah, and also dramatically, the uh, the Martha Jones character—they used her basically as the re- rebound girl, didn't they? I mean, that that played into a lot of the story plots where mm-hmm. you know they're lying on the bed together, and the, you know he's <laughs> and he's thinking of uh, uh, Rose, not thinking of her, and uh, that that sort of took a long while for Martha to get over the doctor, it were, and and then finally have the reason, the guts, and the incentive to. Leave the TARDIS and and go and make her own way in the life, but uh, yes, I, I think you could argue that there's this overarching structure of uh, you know appealing to the teens and uh, maybe even the, the odd dad with a twinkle in his eye as well, but um, I do feel as though it's it's broadened out. So the the, the brushstrokes have got broader as the years have gone on. Uh, maybe though, uh, that's the the crux of the matter or the starting point. And uh, they are playing around with it a little bit, of course we've had um uh male character a male companion as well just recently so uh,
0: well, if we go back to the very first three companions that the doctor had you know all at once the, none of them fit this description of that you know of Stephen Moffat none of them you had a school you had two school teachers and a granddaughter, none of them were following her, you know the doctor because they had a crush on him.
1: but the i mean in a way, I kind of agree with them. The show has evolved to a point where it's become this. The doctors always had a pretty young girl. And so it's for me like, yes, uh, can you step out of that? Yeah. Uh, they had Rory. Rory was quite great. I was hoping for uh, a guy in the TARDIS because, you know, Rory worked. And I wanted to see them kind of step out and do that. But on the other hand, um, with the amount of new female viewers watching the show, Ooh. It's not a bad idea to have a, a, a woman on the TARDIS, really, to be honest. Because, I mean, they they used to be there for the dads, you know, or for the, the young boys to have a crush on. Um, now I think they serve a bit of a different purpose. They're this Role conduit novel. for the female viewer to be with the doctor. You know, it used to be mm-hmm. the companion represented the kid's being with the doctor now there's a bit of a representation of the female side of the viewership which is really kind of picked up since you know the new series took off and so in a way it's it's a little more representative of of the viewership you know we've got a male and a female and the TARDIS. You know, one happens to be the doctor and the female companion and i happen to think she seems quite nice don't oh a, yeah, I the, the young lady and uh, I, I I was I had the same reaction. Another pretty young girl. As soon as I saw the mm-hmm. picture, but I heard her talk and 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 heard what she had to say, and uh, from that I like her. And anyway,
0: yeah, I wasn't pretty. placing she, any value she, she judgment she, on her uh, or, or this cast, oh, this particular casting oh, I, decision. I did, on,
1: I did on the picture. I totally did, and I will freely admit that I said, "Oh great, she's pretty, yay." And, you know, I scolded myself for it later after I heard her talk because, you know, that's that's the instant reaction, you know. Um, but, I mean, it is breaking the mold because, I mean, the, the outgoing companion in the TARDIS isn't a pretty young girl. <laughs> Sorry.
0: why oh
1: <my>. Amy's <laughs> <he's> not pretty.
0: <laughs> I just don't, I, I just think that it should be, you know, I, I just don't want it to fall into like a rigid format. And um, and I, I think to some degree it has, but I don't think, um, you know, at least we did see, as Dave said in, in the last, um, um, you know, couple of companions, we had Rory there as well. You know, I, I enjoyed having... More than one companion, so it's not just the companion playing off the doctor all the time, you know. So if you had Rory there, it adds a little bit more um, complexity to the characters. I'm I'm not just singling out Rory that. I mean, if you have more than one companion, I know there's this big argument against having a crowded TARDIS, but I don't think two companions make a crowded TARDIS. So I mean,
1: we've had, we've had Captain Jack and we've had Wilf. Not necessarily in the TARDIS but involved in the storyline as yeah. reoccurring characters mm-hmm. that come and go, which it works. Uh it gives them the ability to change up things rather than you know, what we had with Davison with him being stuck with all of these companions in the TARDIS all at once and then um, the writers having to do something with them all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is difficult. I mean, in one sense, I would quite like it to be a non-human companion. But I suppose that then puts restrictions on on the budget in terms of you'd have to have most of the stories off-world. I mean, if you think back to very early on with Doctor Who, with the Jade, is it the the tree creature? Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I thought she was devastatingly yeah. good. And, uh, and then Chanto... Uh, from uh, oh, I was getting name, but from, I know who you're uh, talking about. Yeah, the... yeah from Utopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, presumably that would cause difficulties. You know, where they go to War or London or this, that, and the other, right? And and they suddenly appear there, but um, it, it would be absolutely great. At least one thing they can play with is having a come from a different time zone or whatever. Um, yeah,
0: different. As I um, speculated in when we introduced, you know, her as the new companion, it'd be good if she's not from Earth, though I tend to think that she is going to be, you know, and and it'd be good if she's maybe from another time period, but I tend to think she's going to be contemporary again. Um, but you I, never know. I get,
1: I get, a, I get kind of a vibe off of her that it might not be quite what we think. I'm hoping.
0: That's yeah. i Yeah,
1: I'm thinking it's going to be somebody from. You know, not something important from history but some you know from the past which would be really really cool because the whole going to the future thing is going to be would be an awesome story you know
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it's all speculation until we see her on the screen
0: well as we always say on Dr. Pajak, time will tell <laughs> <laughs> it always does yes <laughs> So, But speaking of time, we do have a time frame when—well, not when we'll see the new Companion, but when we'll see new Doctor Who. Well, at least some people will be fortunate to see it in August of this year at the 2012 Edinburgh International Television Festival, which I believe was the same um, same thing that happened last year with the last series. They had um, Let's Kill Hitler, I think, premiered there, which— Jay. Which was several weeks, a couple of weeks before the television premiere. Do do we remember how long before? I know it was before. I know it was maybe it was a, certainly a month, a couple of weeks, or well, two. it might
2: be three weeks. Yeah,
0: yeah. So this might mean that that uh, the next series may be launching earlier than um, we were guessing. I know a couple episodes ago when Graham was with us, we were speculating that it might be November, maybe around November. 23rd somewhere around there if you know taking the weeks leading up to where the christmas episode is going to be in the new series we kind of um were speculating that might be the case but uh do you think they're really gonna if that's if no. the, if that no. is the schedule then do you think there's going to be such a big gap between
2: presenting no, it's this? Big a gap. Yeah, that's what it, i think i think it'll be either late september or uh, in the school uh what's it called the half-term holidays here in the uk you know uh in uh, early November or something Uh, sorry early October
0: yeah I I agree
1: I mean most of the the, you know uh, Russell and and I know Stephen have always uh, expressed the the interest in making sure Doctor Who's on when it's not good good weather outside and when it's a bit darker uh, because it's more fun and it is
0: no, I agree, yeah. Well, the Edinburgh um, Festival takes place August 23rd to August 25th, so it, you figure it's going to be towards the end, end of August that some fortunate people will be able to see the first episode, and then we can assume that it will be um, a few weeks to a month later before anyone else does, you know, before it's actually premieres on television.
2: Yeah, and I'm hoping we're going to get one or two little teaser ones as well between now and then we we've already had one that i believe sharp uh sighted people saw at least hints of three episodes in that little teaser trailer
0: yeah yeah a, tra- a trailer that you're speaking of we may even get uh le- maybe in august or, or maybe sometime you know around the edinburgh festival maybe we'll get one of those what they call prequels maybe we'll get one of the um we'll, we'll have one of those
2: Yeah. And one thing I'm really liking, I'm actually not looking around too much on the internet because of uh, possible spoilers. We're not getting a lot of speculation about, you know, how long Matt Smith will stay as the Doctor. Uh, I'm hoping that that's not going to sort of suddenly start rearing its head. There was nothing more depressing to me than when the, the very first series came back in 2005, and no sooner than we'd, we'd heard that Christopher Eccleston was taking on the mantle of the Doctor and how excited we were, uh, and within virtually one or two episodes, he was already leaving. So uh, I'm hoping that's all touched into the long grass. As far as I'm concerned, Matt Smith should be there to the 50th anniversary. But
0: Well, I, I okay. assume that he is. I know any time he mentions in the press anything about another project or or speaks of Los Angeles. Everyone just starts going, oh, he's leaving, he's leaving. And that's not the case. You know, don't, <laughs> don't scream murder until there's actually a murder.
2: <laughs> well, he, he's well, done a couple of, he's done a couple of, uh, uh, things in the breaks that they have from filming. Um, uh, and of course, um, so, uh, the other actors that have been in it, they've, uh, uh, as we talked about last week, you know, um, so Karen Gillan did the um, you know, "We'll Take Manhattan." Um, uh, Matt Smith did the uh, John Isherwood one, where actually it was uh, that was an extremely good uh, uh, drama film that he was in on TV. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I can't see them. I think bringing in this new companion is is the steps towards the you know the fiftieth anniversary, and I mm-hmm. really can't see them having something major like that happening during the 50th anniversary i mean i think they're going to do something special but i don't think a regeneration's on the cards
0: yeah i i I
1: just don't feel it it just would seem to be a misplaced thing to do to have a regeneration right in the middle of something like that and we're supposed to be celebrating the show not you know making another drastic change
0: well i i think um matt smith himself said that there's more to do with the characters so i think he has plans on you know you would like to do more and um, and stay on for at least till the end of next series. I mean, and, but let's take it one year at a time. People start yeah. worrying about things prematurely and, you know, and this is just par for the course with Doctor Who.
1: <laughs> to be honest, we all need things to talk about. And when there's nothing else <laughs> going on, we just go to the old standbys. She's the runny. When's Matt Smith leaving?
2: And
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that that's canines coming back, and that's got to be Romana.
0: Is he going to uh, regenerate into a female doctor?
1: Exactly, or a black doctor? <laughs> Ginger doctor. Doctor. Ginger? Is he going to be Ginger this time? Is he <laughs> going to be Merlin yet? but yeah. We've got to fill the time somehow. I mean, I it does get a bit irritating at times, but hey, it's how we fill the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I don't know how to respond to that, but yes, it's uh, it's it's definitely the case. Can't argue with you, Ian. Good,
1: good. The check's in the mail.
0: <laughs> I'm getting very wealthy on this show. I'm going to have Ian on more often. <laughs> Dave, you, I think you have a clip that you want to play for us.
2: Yeah, just a little bit of humor. If, if, uh, if the three of us weren't humorous enough for the listeners. <laughs> um, um, it's a good a, thing it's
0: on a video podcast, then you'd really be laughing. Oh,
2: yeah, in, the, in the UK, there's a, a program, uh, Simon Cowell's, one of these programs called Britain's Got Talent. And um, just bear in mind when you're listening to this clip that uh, David Williams. Um, who has appeared in Doctor Who, is uh, one of the judges on this. Uh, They had uh, a guest. I don't think he made it very far, but he's called Martin Crofts. And I think you'll recognise what he's trying to do in this musical number. Uh, uh, and if you do a search on YouTube, uh, this is a Britain's Got Talent YouTube page, and you can actually watch that. And by the way, guys, he does have a tin saucepan on his head with the <laughs> handle point forward, uh, and that's his stock. Uh, excellent. The, the guy has, uh, well... He's a very brave guy going on the stage. Alex, for that way.
1: I'm I'm just amazed that he's doing it without a um. What, what do they call that thing?
0: A plunger. Oh, the, no, the oh. voice
1: <laughs> later. Well, yeah.
0: Well, are talking about Alex? But Alex have plungers. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> but I mean, he's it's, it's his own voice. I'm I'm thinking yeah. it. So that's that's. I mean, it's it's a bit of fun, you know. Nothing serious. I mean, I doubt he's going to get very far with that, but. Just the fact that he, did, that he did it, I think that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, I can see Toby totally, totally Haydock uh, incorporating that.
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> I was reminded of the gong show, it reminded me of.
1: <laughs> I'm assuming that's what that buzzer was partway through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's
2: three judges when I think when all three knock you out, then you're gone. But uh, I like <laughs> I the way time where the buzzing came in, it was yeah. in sync. <laughs>
1: yeah i mean it's it's it, again it's another sign of the doctor who's back up there in the in the you know the public consciousness that yeah everybody got it you know uh, I don't know if during the wilderness years if people were like, what's that
2: <laughs> what's and, uh, <laughs> and one thing to add of course is you can hear the reactions everybody in the audience got that what that was i mean that, that's why you can do something like that this in the UK, because uh, there's nobody thinking, what's he, what's he supposed to be doing? What's this? Everybody, it was a, um, uh, the whole audience was with him on that point. Whether they wanted to see him go further or not is not the issue. The point is they were all in the moment and they weren't, they weren't laughing at him. They were applauding alongside him, I think. And mm. that was great.
0: Yep. They weren't laughing at him. They were laughing with him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, you
2: know, it's it's getting it's not there
0: yet, but it's getting to the point in the U.S. where it's more and more people are it's it's on the on the conscious level of the general populace in in the U.S. Now it's gotten to the point where I, you know even people that I didn't think were fans, I, I could be I could like for um, if you're familiar with the the game draw something I was I was um I had no idea who if the person that I was drawing this for was a Doctor Who fan but the the word was doctor so I naturally drew the TARDIS and then I drew the doctor and I said well I don't know if if he's a fan if I might not recognize Matt Smith if he's not a fan so I just did the most iconic doctor that is out there which is the fourth doctor and um the person got it so um who knew (laughs)
1: actually i've 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 recently have a friend of mine who i swear when she uh when i used to talk about doctor who and especially sci-fi she used to be like "Uh, well we've seen star wars you know like (laughs) that counted for something but now she about six months ago she said my son and i have really got into doctor who do you have any more? Because <laughs> they had been watching it on Netflix. Do you have more? I'm like, yes, I have more. So they came around and I, they, they watched more and then they watched Torchwood. And uh, now they've moved on to other stuff, but they still love Doctor Who. She just uh, uh, contacted me on my iPhone and said, you know, where's a good place to get Doctor Who stuff and what should I get him for his birthday? And I'm like, well, this is good and this is good. And There's actually a, there's a TARDIS uh, safe. Uh, with the, the key lock and everything like that, and when you up you know, it makes noises and everything. I think, regardless of what it does, whether it's the, the thing that sits on your desk, the USB hub or whatever, mm-hmm. the sheer fact that you have a TARDIS sitting there is cool, regardless of what it is. You know, it could be. I've got a I've got a little Daypole one, and I love it just because I've got a TARDIS.
0: Yeah, suddenly there, us you know. misfits back in high school are now the cool kids.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're cool. We're cool now. Yes, I'm into Doctor Who. Oh, really? What, that that, that, that one guy in the cowboy? No, no, no. Well, let me explain to you. <laughs> and that's great. It's like, uh, you know, and I can fill these people in now and say, well, here's this other stuff. Watch this and watch this. And yeah. Uh, a couple of people over the past two, two or three years have approached me about Doctor Who and they were new to it. So, over here it's 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 just it's getting there it's mm-hmm. getting there and yeah. it's nice
0: yeah there was some sort of article recently the, the whoever i can't remember the director's name but whoever's directing the the latest bond film made a comparison to bond and doctor who and i'm like yeah oh, we've so been saying that, that for yeah. years yeah. <laughs> exactly i mean there's there's few few shows
1: and in, in franchises that can do what doctor who does bond is one of them Yeah, yeah, he's James Bond. Yeah, sure. He just shot somebody. He slipped with somebody and he won the day. Yep, that's Bond.
2: I think he referred to Sherlock as well. Sherlock Holmes as the the third. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, and for those in
0: the US on PBS now, speaking of Sherlock, they're showing... Sherlock, this, the TV series, the, the you know, the, the one that Stephen Moffat is producing, is uh, currently on PBS on Masterpiece Theatre. And they're, um, I mean, previously we had the first series shown here in the U.S. and now they're um, presenting the second series. So um, if you haven't, I think it's on Sunday nights. Check your local listings for details.
1: Last Sunday they showed uh, the first episode of Series 2, Uh Mm-hmm. This coming Sunday will be the second episode and, of course, followed by the third. Uh, as far as I'm aware, too, they actually showed uh, the whole of Season 1 as a lead-up into Season 2. So uh, hopefully they're keeping Season 1 running at the same time. So if you haven't had the opportunity, you can get caught up.
0: Mm-hmm. And definitely it's, it's well worth worthwhile checking it out. If you're Even if you're not a Sherlock Holmes fan, you'll want to catch this. And if you're a Doctor Who fan, you're definitely going to want to catch this. And in many ways, when watching it, it feels like more Doctor Who than Sherlock Holmes for me. I mean, because there are many traits that are similar between. As Dave was mentioned before, there's many uh, traits that are similar between the Doctor and and Sherlock Holmes, and um, you know, and we've seen that explored on some Doctor Who episodes, but um, especially here, um, it, it's just you know he's thinking things out, and you know he's not using weapons, and it's it's very Doctorish, you know, and um, very observant, you know, all these qualities that the Doctor has. Right, William. All right. Well, I'm gonna go. I have this box, and right here, live on the show, I'm gonna open it up and see what's inside. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't jump out and kill me.
1: Uh oh! Must Uh-oh. be the tardis. He fell in. It's got the master in it. Don't open it.
0: <laughs> it's heavier it's a than tiny I thought. <laughs> Okay, now this is um from the firm address says um, Kitsun Books. What Kitsun, could it be? Kitsun.
2: Kitsun. 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 Kitsun.
1: That's a familiar name. Hmm. What can it be?
2: Mm-hmm. Does it have any writing on it, like Anthony Burge, Jessica Burke, and Christine Larson, anyway? Not on the box. I
0: should have brought a razor blade with me here. Okay, there's a lot of tape.
1: But... No, don't do it, Lou. Oh, sorry.
0: Okay, well, it's half this the tape is like off. It. Regular
2: podcasts. I, I take it, it it's come in discreet packaging stuff. for you as it <laughs> so it's, it's I'm opening the way. box. Oh my god, it's bigger on the inside.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got some stuffing here that goes good with the turkey and some airbags, those little puffy things. And in my hand are copies of the book, The Mythological Dimensions of Doc. No, Neil Gaiman. Hey! <laughs> From the editors formerly that uh, put out the book, The Mytho- Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who. Uh, we spoke about this on our last episode, and I said that uh, I was holding off speaking about it until I had a chance to kind of um, see the book and, and read up on it. So we're going to in in the, what we're going to do is we have a couple of copies here that we're going to give away to our listeners so uh we'll probably um give these away to Patuck supporting subscribers and um do a drawing and that's what we've done in the past I think with the with the previous books we're hoping to have um um Anthony and possibly Jessica and, and Christine perhaps um depending on on scheduling on our show when and, and we'll speak more about it at that time but before they're on our show, they'll be on um, the Culton Collective. So keep an eye on that. I don't know if you two had a chance to check out the Culton Collective. It's, a, a, um, it's another podcast that explores science fiction never, themes. Never heard of it. Uh, no,
2: it's did. got a very good reputation,
0: yeah. I hear the hosts are pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: one's a bit of a sozzle, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that
1: old guy from Manchester is a bit of a sozzle. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes. So it's a. It's there's going to be a giveaway. So answers on the back of a postcard. No question. Just answers on the
0: back of a postcard. <laughs> yeah. No question. Just put the answers down. <laughs> yeah. Put the answer down. And then we'll come up with questions. That's that's that will be the contest. You, you come up with the answers. And, and then we'll come up with the questions. And or and whoever gets it right.
1: <laughs> there you go. It's a perfect contest. There you go. Guess the question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So it's a, it's a nice book. It's um it looks to be the same dimensions uh, they the mythological dimensions, but the same dimensions and size. Uh, dimension. Well played,
3: sir. Well played. <laughs>
0: of um uh, of the previous book, and it's it's I um, can't wait to um to check it out. So here's a preview. These are the pages. <laughs> it doesn't really work too well on an audio podcast, does it? It has that new book feel to it. It's so weird, books, so quaint. Everything's been so digitalized lately, it's, it's weird to get um, something analog like that again.
2: Uh, yeah, just to, uh, just to mention on that, you, you mentioned, as you said, that uh, we're going to be interviewing them. Uh, I've just got uh, one of Neil Gaiman's books. I mean, I've got to do the reading of the the uh, the d- mythological dimensions as well. So I'm sorry, my book will be well and truly thumbed through, so not fit to be given out as a gift afterwards, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but um, uh, Unless got you're to, a
1: collector of uh, Dave AC's uh, uh, genetic code.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere, uh, the author's preferred text. Neil Gaiman's so, you know, Underwear, did you say? No, no, no! Never we,
0: wear. Never wear. We better not go there again. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: right. So, uh, I've got that to read, and uh, obviously to work my way through the rest of this book. But uh, enjoying it every minute.
0: Excellent. Excellent! Excellent!
1: I didn't even know he could read, to be honest.
0: <laughs> Neil Gaiman, yeah, he reads very well. No doubt. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Well, if you can't wait for this book, uh for you know, to receive it as a giveaway, we you can go to uh dot com. Uh, books. Yeah, Kitsun s u. That's k i t s u n e books, all one word dot com, and you could probably do a search for that, or or do kitsum dot kitsum kitsum kitsunebooks dot com slash verge. Uh, Hyphen-Gamen.html is the exact URL, but um, like I said, uh, well, you know what? We'll put the URL on our website, Parchoc.net or Galanfemc.org, and you can just go there and and fetch and, the um, link there.
2: And maybe on the enhanced version of the uh, podcast.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, we and I think we did that last week. You're um, going to be enhanced. Well, you are enhanced. Uh most of our listeners listen to the Enhanced Podcast, by the way. So it's um if with the if people are kinda of scratching their head what the hell they're talking about, Enhanced podcast? The Enhanced Podcast will have chapter stops. It also has uh cover um it has chapter artwork within itself as well. So uh, you know, uh for instance right now probably on the Enhanced Podcast will be the cover of the book being shown right now and there'll be a link to it um at Kitson Books. So, um, yeah. and if you're listening to, and if you're listening on an iPod or an iPhone or on iTunes, all that all that will be hotlinked, so you can just click on the link.
2: I mean, the technology is so advanced. To some people, it might seem like magic.
0: <laughs> let's not go there now. See,
2: let's <laughs> see what you did. Heck, an iPhone to me is magic. Huh? <laughs> I'm still getting the hang of that damn thing.
0: But it's but, very um, cool that you got it.
2: Yeah. So. Interviews abound, don't they, on the Podshop? Yes, they do.
0: And I think you guys have one lined up for us.
1: Yes, we do. Uh, just this last weekend, uh, Dave and I sat down with John Preddle. Uh, I don't know how many people know him. You should know him because he's a mastermind of uh, of Doctor Who knowledge. He's written uh, two books, uh, Time Link, which we'll be having a further interview about. Uh, but he is also one of the people behind Broadcast, which is b r o a d w c a s t dot org, which is the history, the screening history of uh, the classic series of Doctor Who, all on the website. So put in your birthday where you li- and look where you lived and you'll know exactly what episode was on when you were born.
2: Yes, it's a silent W, and it's written with a capital D and a capital W in the middle of the word. So it will come up as the top result on uh, Google when you put it in. So, I mean, think of that. They're trying to do it for as many countries around the world. Um, I think... um, Without giving too much away on the interview, I mean, it's said that, you know, Doctor Who is in, uh, you know, 100 million viewers in 60 countries around the world. Well, it may not be in 60 countries around the world at the moment, but it's been at many, many countries, and this will tell you when certain episodes first aired. Yes.
1: So, check out broadcast.org and uh, keep your ears peeled for our interview with John Prattle. It's informative and it's funny. And, and it's got Dave on it,
0: and you can Ooh. check out the the book is Time Link: The Unofficial, Unauthorized Guide to the Continuity of Doctor Who.
1: Yes, it's in two volumes, and uh, yes, I think I can uh, safely vouch for John's knowledge of Doctor Who. Uh, we had him at a convention many, many years ago in the mists of time at, at a panel called Stump the Superfan, and uh, also he's been on uh, the New Zealand TV show Mastermind. And his specialist, specialist, well, <laughs> specialist subject was Doctor Who. Uh, so that makes him even bigger in my estimation that he's willing to go on to a major TV show and admit his love for Doctor Who and that he answered so many questions correct. So, yeah, look out in uh, your uh, podcast feeds for our interview with John Prittle.
0: Fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing it. So am I. Oh, I was was there. Yeah. (laughs) Were you real? Or Maybe you haven't done it yet. You know, everything's possible. No, no, no. we just got to edit
2: edit out about 30 minutes of Ian talking. Just get down to the main guy, you know.
0: (laughs) It's two hours long, but once it's edited down, it's 30 minutes. (laughs) Take me
1: out of there. Yeah. Well. Talk a lot? No. Sorry,
0: what are you saying? I was just going to say, speaking of time, if you want to have a good time, um, you want to join us next? Week. Well, when depending when this podcast goes out, it will be next Saturday. Uh, not this Saturday. It will be. Saturday. Let me just say the the date. It will be the nineteenth. It will be the nineteenth of May. Is the next Doctor Who Pachak meetup on Second Life? I know a lot of people were asking about it, and we didn't do it. And we normally would have. Uh, it's it's on a seasonal uh, basis, so we didn't do it in the winter in February because it uh, fell on the same weekend as um one and then we couldn't uh find an alternate date that was that would match you know that that wasn't conflicting with something else in March and then but you know it was silly to do it in April when the next one was going to be in may anyway so uh, so May nineteenth is the next one, which is um, will be on second Life and we'll have information on the website, hopefully by the time this podcast goes out, there'll be information on the website uh, about it it's um essentially um it's it's a way that you can come together uh, no matter where you are on this planet as long as you have broadband internet. And you know a fairly modern computer. When I say that, any computer within the last, I guess, five years or so, uh, you can uh, join in. And there's no, it's free. It's there's nothing to, um, you know, no fares, no fees, no, um, not a single luxury. No, that's a different thing. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, join it's us. Free to join up. You can just it's, make an
1: avatar on on Second Life, and uh, we'll have all the information on on the. the girlfriend Embassy website and it's you can just join right in. Starts at, help you out there, and
0: uh, it starts at I'm one sure. p.m. That's right. one p.m. second lifetime, which is in sync with the West Coast in the U.S., which is Pacific time. So, um, wherever you are, make adjustments. on in, for instance, in the on the East Coast in the U- U.S., it's four p.m. And uh, what we had done in the past was pa- we, we've been doing some uh, recorded panels for the show, but. I think what we may be doing for this one, and I have to touch base with Victor on this, who, who's our um, one of our hosts, the, our, the host with the most on Second Life, is um, since Second Life has changed so much over the, the um, recently, they've upgraded. I'm not going to get into the technical stuff, but the, they upgraded their systems. There's a lot of new stuff that, um, that, that we haven't explored yet that, um, that we may do a TARDIS tours instead. So uh, we'll have information on the website about it.
1: I'm really looking forward to this one because uh I recently got a new computer, and uh from what I understand from Comcast, they upped my speed here so excellent uh having having been there before with a really 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 old computer, I'm now looking forward to enjoying it with a lot more speed and uh clarity mm-hmm. as it were
0: and, uh, and there's f- a
1: lot of fun a lot of fun to be had uh, it's set in an area uh of second life that is uh oriented around Doctor Who. So there's plenty to see. There's TARDISes to explore. Uh, there's all sorts of people that you would never really get a chance to see face-to-face, as it were. Uh, you get to do it in in, in almost virtual reality. Yeah. So it's really worth stopping by uh, to meet everybody,
0: and it's a laid-back social event. It's not. Some people have this misconception that it's because it, it looks like a video game. That it's a video. It's not. I mean, you you could go in there and, and play something, but if you want, you know, make up something, whatever. But it's not that way. It's um. It's just. It's a way to for us to come together in a virtual sense, um, and and have ourselves represented on screen and um and and really come together and talk. You, you basically you use um, if you have a microphone, definitely you want to use that. An inexpensive headset will do and this way you can talk just like we're talking right now to each other I mean, you just do it virtually in this environment and like i said it's there's no pressure there's no you don't have to collect points you don't have to do any of that you just you just come and chill out and have fun
2: and it's better than real life because they have a dancing program. So if you're useless <laughs> at dancing, you just go, you touch something, and yeah. suddenly you're you're a John Travolta on the dance floor.
0: <laughs> it's the only way I can dance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I
1: mean, I guess, I guess the way to explain it is that movie of James Cameron's called Avatar. It's nothing like that. <laughs> it's entertaining and fun and, and and well worth a look and. You can find people that are on uh, the Podchock website who can help you out. And and there's always people there to, to assist you when you get inside Second Life. So don't be afraid. Stop by and meet everybody.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right, well, if you heard our last show, <laughs> we, we we got a little blue at one point in the news and I, I just want to apologize if I had offended anyone with it. I'm not going to go into details. You'll, if this is okay, now if you haven't heard it, you have to go back and listen to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now you're going to get really a lot of listeners shooting <laughs> into sure last week's episode. But
0: it's it was uh wasn't meant to uh, to be offensive. It was just and I'm I I, I take full blame on it I'm, uh, Dave was on the show but he had nothing to do with it. in fact Dave had recommended editing it out uh, but I, I do uh, apologize it was, uh, wasn't was meant to be offensive it was just uh, meant to be something that uh, a laugh so you know if uh, for those that, that might have been taken back with it I do apologize but yeah. it was just yeah. something in the news that, that I thought might be you know humorous and of note to cover and, and we could have a laugh doing it
2: yeah now you're the butt of the joke Lewis <laughs> I'm not going to go there.
0: <laughs> Cooper,
1: he's in problems again. He's terrible. Lowers the tone of
2: the yeah, whole show. Dave,
0: you're supposed to be the decent one among us. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, you see, when people say it has two meanings, I only get the innocent one.
1: <laughs>
2: Elder
0: statesman, my <by> foot.
2: <laughs> All right. On that Moving note, move along. Move along. On,
0: on, on that note, we'll be right back with more talk to Podshock with our review of the Invisible Enemy.
3: This is John Leeson. Believe it or not, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock.
0: We're going to get to our review of The Invisible Enemy in just a moment. The Invisible Enemy introduces K-9 to the world of Doctor Who. K-9 is an iconic character that will make its mark on Doctor Who from this time going forward. John Leeson plays the voice of K-9 and also plays the voice of the villainous Nucleus in this story. So we're going to feature John Leeson as our selection, as our recommendation for an audio book by Audible. Audible, as you know, is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, romance, business, comedy, sci-fi, and, well, a whole lot more. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Dr. Who Parchock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. Now to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's Audibletrial.com slash podchalk for your free audiobook. And as I mentioned before, we would like to make a suggestion as what that free audiobook could be or recommendation. And um, since we are going to be reviewing um, The Invisible Enemy in this story, which does, as I said, feature John Leeson, we're going to highlight a particular audiobook, which is called Peculiar Lives Time Hunter Series Book 7, which is narrated by the one and only John Leeson. Now, what is this story about? Well, it's part detective story, part fantasy, part mystery, and part science fiction. It's by Philip Purser Holland and it tells a story of superhuman children known as the Peculia. They believe that humanity is making a poor job looking after the world that they plan to inherit. Let's hear a little bit of that now.
3: Violet was 17 years old and had been recruited to the retreat after Percival and the others had made telepathic contact with her some three years since. She had had a rough childhood, in which her natural aptitude for thievery had been severely tested. Certainly born illegitimate, and very likely the product of incest, her unusual appearance had made her repulsive even to those of her immediate family. For her, as for many others, the retreat had been a welcome sanctuary her familiarity with certain of london's less exemplary neighbourhoods and communities had been what had made percival choose her as his companion on his return to the city between them emily and violet acquainted me with the episode leading to the latter's arrest at st pancras and with what had occurred thereafter the girl had been taken by the sinister policemen who she was quite convinced were not policemen, to an ordinary-looking townhouse, which was most certainly not a police station, and incarcerated in a cell. This room appeared to have been recently adapted to its current purpose. A sturdy metal plate had been let into the wall, and to this Violet was handcuffed. Having made sure of Violet's immobility, The policemen exchanged their uniforms for functional boiler suits, retaining the electronic headpieces which Emily had observed beneath their helmets. As Emily had realized at the railway station, Violet's peculiar talents included a kind of hypnotic suggestion at a distance, akin but not identical to Percival's telepathy. By playing on the suggestibility of the human mind— Violet was capable of persuading an observer not to notice her, thus rendering herself effectively invisible, even when committing a public crime. She had been able to exert this power evenly across a large and ever-changing crowd, and it had been sporadically effective even upon Emily, who had considerable experience of mental influences and who, besides, had had her attention by then fully focused on her quarry. If this same gift had failed to affect the false policeman, then these oral contrivances, which Violet now speculated acted as an artificial aid to concentration, were undoubtedly responsible. The treatment which Violet had received in the townhouse had been very brutal— although it was clear to her that the men had been instructed not to kill or maim her. She harbored no illusions, however, that this arrangement would persist indefinitely. Her captors had been seeking information about the location of the retreat, and, secondarily, about the current whereabouts of Percival, whom they knew by name. Violet was contemptuous of their efforts to persuade her to talk. A mind like hers, she said, was hardly going to give its friends away out of sheer terror, merely because some human animals were making sure her body hurt. Whether she would have remained so sanguine after a longer time in captivity, I cannot tell. In any case, Violet set about arranging an escape at her earliest convenience. Her first act, once left alone... Was to attempt to communicate telepathically with Percival. But she found that young man beset by difficulties of his own. This had been the afternoon before his nocturnal visit to my house, and I would soon learn that he and that night's other intruder had had an earlier encounter around this time. She turned instead to a group mind of the supernormals at the retreat, which was large enough and diffuse enough to communicate in the aggregate, even at so distant a remove. The supernormals' understanding of their own capabilities had developed enormously since that time when Percival had carried out his own risky abscondment from military custody. Working as a single entity, with Violet's mind as its focal point, the community was able to locate in the vicinity of the house
0: once again that's Peculiar Lives Time Hunter series book 7 and once again that's narrated by John Leeson that's who you heard there John Leeson um does a great job narrating this book and it could be yours it could be your free audiobook simply go to audibletrial.com/potchock to get your free audiobook once again, that's audibletrial.com slash for your free book. Now, if you're driving and you, you can't write down a URL or whatever, you can just go to podchock.net and you'll find a banner for um, this offer. Just click on it and it will take you there.
4: Bracing, isn't it? Very. The interface a mind unsullied by a single thought. Where are we going, Doctor? Into the land of dreams and fantasy, Leela.
0: And we're back with Doctor Who Pachak. And as promised, as I had, um, gave you a little sneak preview last time, was I was in the middle of re-watching the classic, the classic story, The Invisible Enemy, and this goes back to 1977, October of 1977. And in fact, um, I haven't seen this in such a long time. It's probably been, I would say, uh, probably close to twenty years since the last time I seen it. Probably was in the early nineties the last time I saw it, and it's the DVD came out in twenty oh eight, and that's when I got the DVD. But it's been one of these um, DVDs that was still in the shrink wrap, and I kept on saying to myself, I gotta, you know, eventually carve out some time and watch this. And it's been such a long time, and I was in for a treat because it's a, um, it's it's well, it's it's a story that is probably um often perhaps overlooked and um it may not have aged well visually and the dvd addresses this by um there's an option for cgi effects that they've redid for the dvd and i'll get to into that in a second but first um i would be amiss by saying that this you know by not mentioning that this is the story that introduces an iconic character in Doctor Who, which is Canine, the tin dog for for those that may not know who Canine is, but I'm sure most of our listeners do. Oh, that's the wrong sound effect. There we go. Contact
2: has been made.
0: Contact has been made. So yes, this is um a fourth doctor story with Tom Baker playing the doctor with and uh, Louise Jameson is uh Lila, his companion in the story and this is um actually the first story with Graham Williams as the new producer so it's um it's uh, i'm just i'm I'm being thrown off because i'm I'm just reading right now <laughs> I'm just reading right now that it's um on um on the wiki page it says it's the second serial, serial of the fifteenth series so um, yep. But it, it's yeah.
2: It was it. It followed um, uh, horror Fang Rock, and the story that follows it is the image of the Fang. So Gr-
0: so Graham came on on the second sto- second one, not on the first. Then Graham Williams as the new producer.
2: Uh, well, I'll just have to check back with that. But uh, just say yeah. It was uh, it. originally aired as uh, four weekly parts from the first to. The twenty second of October nineteen seventy seven. Good heavens.
0: And um it also has another it stars another familiar actor from Doctor Who that's um uh, who's been on various roles and, and parts on Doctor Who, which is Michael uh Michael Sheard, who has um since passed um yeah. but he's He's not just known for his roles on Doctor Who, but he was also in uh, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Um, he was also—he he played one of the um, Imperials there. Uh, he was also—he um, played Hitler in the Indiana Jones and, and the Last Crusade. So, but most Doctor Who fans will know him probably mostly from his role in, um, in Pyramids of Mars— but he's been in several other Doctor Who stories, including stories that took place uh, before this one and after this one.
2: Right.
0: Uh, John Leeson is introduced in this story, another familiar uh, actor to Doctor Who. He plays... he, He voices... K nine, but he also voices the nucleus, which is a character in in this story as well. So uh, he's I don't think he's credited He may um, or maybe he is credited no, as such.
2: It says uh, John Scott Martin. John Scott Martin is actually the the nucleus.
0: No, no, no. Is, he, uh, that's he's he's play. That's who's inside the nucleus is. um ah, nice. It's nucleus voice is John Lee. Ah, yes,
1: you are right, sir. You are right. Nucleus voice. Yes. The voice of the nucleus. I actually remember uh, Michael Sheard from uh, Valva and yes. uh, Remembrance of the Daleks. Um,
0: well, he plays the headmaster, and then uh, yes, he was um, in Valva He was played uh, was it not Tree Master Murgrave? Uh, Murph, yeah. Was Murgrave. So yeah, um, definitely important and important characters. Um, it's a shame, shame that we lost him back. I think it was in. Uh, Two thousand and five
2: it's it feels more recent yeah, than that but thirty first of august two thousand and five yeah it,
0: i remember reporting about it on talk to you Pachouk, so it's just it's hard to believe that's now seven years ago.
1: he was also in uh uhve pet as uh as one of the uh the guys in the building site for anybody who's ever seen aveain pet watch it and you'll be like, Oh there he is <laughs> uh he
2: plays a good German. <laughs> Oh mm. uh, yes yes I remember that now yeah. I love that series yeah.
0: Well in this story he plays um a character named, uh, was it Low? Lo, Is it?
2: Low yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a very ambitious story this story. It's 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 very much um it takes place in the future I, th- I think um in in um Captain Jack's time. <laughs> I think it was in, <laughs> it was the year 5000 I believe so it 's a fifty first century story and but it's don 't expect to see Captain Jack in this story it's um it, i mean as i said it's it, it is um it 's a story it, like i said it 's an ambitious story it required many effects, sets, and props and when you think about it, when you think about the budget they had on hand and plus you're introducing K-9 here and they had to build, you know, K-9 didn't exist before the story either. So that goes into, you know, the production of this story as well. And in fact, it wasn't even, you know, we weren't even sure whether or not K-9 was going to be a continuing character or not. Um, And they actually shot alternate endings where one, uh, he does continue with the doctor and one where he doesn't. So, um, but the one that he doesn't isn't included on the DVD, and I know um, if you listen to the commentary, I think John Leeson disagrees that they shot it, but according to the infotext, and um, and I think um
2: infotext. Now, there's a word to conjure with
0: Ian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, I know somebody who writes infotext. Yes.
0: Mr. They're, they're
1: well, uh, I mean, uh, aside from aside from my affinity with uh, for for Paul Schoon's uh, the infotexts, I I always think are are well worth the time. Uh yes. When I get my DVD, maybe I'll watch the story. But
0: yeah, this, this isn't this isn't one by Paul Schoon's himself, but it's still mm-hmm. I always recommend yeah. uh, reading the infotexts. Uh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they go by too quickly, you know. And I have to kind of pause it I because I can't read it. It's quick. Suggest- <laughs> the info text
1: (laughs) along with the commentary I know some people do it but I find it very difficult to then keep track of both but uh, if you want to watch the story put the info text on at the same time because it's it's full of great information and Mm -hmm. and stuff you just some stuff you just never knew and yeah
2: I think he did the info text on one of the uh, the Ace you know the Ace box set that's come out yes
1: he did the uh, the 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 Infotext for Dragon Fire, which uh, according to some reviews, um, they give him uh, uh,
2: credit, don't
1: they? Yeah. Yes, yes, they they said it's, it's it's very informative and a great addition to the DVD set. So um, Paul knows the stuff, so I never mm. have any concerns as to whether whether the information's uh, uh, going to be interesting or or valid. It's 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 always up there, so.
2: But back back to this episode. You back talked about to this episode. The, co- the cost about uh, K nine. Also, they had an issue, hadn't they, with the uh, that Victorian console room. Apparently, had got damaged or it, something yes. had happened to
0: it. Yeah. But well, what happened was the, the series, the season, the series before this one, the year before this had, uh, if you remember, they had this Victorian console room that um, the the previous producer didn't really particularly care for the for the white console room that was established, and in fact. Um, this story reintroduces the white console room, and this was and the white console room only appears in two other Tom Baker stories. And this is like year four for Tom Baker already. So the, it only appeared in two other stories because um, you know uh, th- there was this bias against it. And then we got this Victorian wood veneer console room that appeared in series fourteen, and then um, and what ha- was Dave was just mentioning in between while it was in storage. It warped, and uh, um, so they had to. They went back with the new producer Graham Williams. Wanted to go back to the white console room, and so they reconstructed the white console room. And they took the the console itself, the from um, the the the, the not, I don't want to say the original, but the previous one, and they just refurbished it a bit, and um and and they set that up. So we got so we see the white console room again in in this story.
2: Yeah, Graham Williams was on board, by the way, for the horror of Frank Rock. But...
0: <laughs> okay. Fang Rock.
2: <laughs> Fang Rock. Uh, yeah, yeah the, um, the, it was in Pyramids of Mars, this one, and again, used up until the King's Demons.
0: The the concert room, yeah, so it's that's pretty interesting. You've
4: never been in here before. You've never been in here before? What is it? Number two control room, being closed for redecoration. I don't like the color. White isn't a color. That's the trouble with computers. Always thinking black and white. No aquamarines, no blues, no imagination. Have we stopped? No, we haven't stopped. Uh, Have we materialized? Yes. Where? Solar system between Jupiter and Saturn. About 5,000 AD. 5,000 AD. We're still in the time of your ancestors. Ancestors? Yes. That was the year of the great breakout. The great what? Mm. When your forefathers went leapfrogging across the solar system on their way to the stars. Uh, Asteroid belts probably teeming with them now. New frontiersmen, pioneers waiting to spread across the galaxy like a tidal wave. What a disease. Why disease? I thought you liked humanity. Oh, I do, I do. Some of my best friends are humans. When they get together in great numbers, other life forms sometimes suffer.
0: There are many stories in Doctor Who that you can point to. Oh well, this is the, the Doctor Who version of Frankenstein, or this is the Doctor Who version of you know Dracula or vampires or whatever. Um, and for this one, this is the Doctor Who version of the of the sci- of the classic sci-fi movie Fantastic Journey, because at some point at um, the, at one point in this story we go into the doctor himself, the, um, the clones that are, I I hope this isn't spoiler, but it's just part of the story here that they're they're (laughs) miniaturized, uh, the clones of the doctor and Leela are, are made and then they're miniaturized and then they actually go into the doctor's, um, uh, body and they go into his brain and all that. And, um, and they, it's done through CGI, you know, color separation, not CGI, uh, um, color separation overlay, C- CSO or chroma key or, or as green screen. Or blue, they were actually using blue screen at the time. So that's how they, they did that. And some of that worked very well. You know, for the time, it worked very well. The the, the time where it's actually f- um, physical sets and all that, it works less convincing. And and I guess this goes back to what I was saying in our last episode of Dr. Upachok is that you really have to judge these stories by their stories and their characters. That's how I always enjoy Dr. Who. You, if you get too hung up on the, the props or the, the I mean, this wobbly sets in here and all that, and that's, well, you can forgive all that. Um, my, I, my, problem with this story is, um, as far as production goes, isn't, isn't so much the sets. I mean, I do wait, I will make one recommendation. If you haven't seen this yet and you're watching the DVD now and you're not familiar with, and, and, and maybe you're just familiar with the newest stuff and you want to see how canine is, 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 is introduced, watch it with the CGI effects, the new CGI effects the first time, and then watch it again without it. And the reason why I say that is because if the original effects will take you out of the story then it's bad you know if, if it's if it's going to be jarring to the point where you're thinking about oh well that looked really bad and, and you're missing the story then you know so watch it with the cgi effects and then you can always watch it again with how it was originally um gone out but that's not to say when it originally gone out it was it was horrible it for its time it was uh they did the best they could do and it you know and again this was 19 this was 30 what 35 we years didn't ago. know any better? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well
1: we didn't. I mean to be honest it's like people were like oh wow. My father-in-law he he said oh you like it cuz it's like cheap and and schlocky looking. I'm like no, I like it because it's what I grew up with. Yeah. This was this was what we could do at the time. It's you know.
2: Well the the other thing is as well if you've ever uh, think of YouTube you go to YouTube and you watch a YouTube video in in a little embedded window on your monitor. And it looks really good quality. And then you think, oh, there's a button in the corner, I'll click to go full screen. And you go full screen and it looks ropey. <laughs> Remember, when this was going out on air, most people had a TV that was like mm-hmm. 19 inches, yeah, that was 20 large. inches, 21 inches. And, and therefore... The, 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 you know, the number of pixels across and down was something like uh, I don't know, 500 by 400 or something like that if you're going to suddenly watch it like Ian's got some sort of massive rear projection TV 60 <laughs> inches across, you blow something up that basically I mean, if you show Dot 2 on Ian's TV in its original aspect, it would take up one sixteenth of the screen so obviously when you're blowing it up that 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 really brings out all the uh the problems with it. So uh, that's the one thing you gotta bear in yeah. mind.
1: All all that said aside though, the the neat thing is, yes, it's the Fantastic Voyage on Doctor Who, but here is an episode of Doctor Who where the the bad guy isn't some big lumbering monster or some technological marvel that's run amok or some guy mm-hmm. who's hell bent yes. on, on taking over the universe. It's this microscopic uh, organism that's that's infecting people, and um, it's it's like Mardi Gras for Doctor Who.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Ian's pointing to that to the make the face makeup and all that. They they had to somehow discern which people are overtaken by the virus, so they um, it's you know, like frost, the,
1: this frosty kind of uh, yeah. Um, mask. breakfast
0: thing. cereal appears around their eyes and
1: <laughs> yes but but no but seriously it it's it is a, a nice departure really for dr who to to do this and you know you know we're, we're entering new ground it's it, it it's escaping the formula but which is yeah. a really good thing you can say about this story because you know they're doing some neat things with visual effects mm. And they're going inside the doctor's mind and, 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 and doing it. it's 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 on a different scale. It's miniature. Uh but it's a lot <laughs> a lot of fun. It's it a good story. And of course we meet canine for the very first time and he gets to leave with the doctor, which is is cool. It's it's I'm always a big fan of uh, those kind of linchpin episodes, the things that you know means something to the overall scope of the show. Uh, For example, all Regeneration episodes, they mean something. They're they're a turning point in the show. They're a change. That's what this episode is. It's K-9 joining the show, and he belongs to the history of Doctor Who. So you kind of really owe it to yourself to watch this one, not only for the fact that it's a bit different, but the fact that this is where K-9
2: begins. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some warning signs, though. I mean, the very, very first time when the canine is, is entering the TARDIS, they have to cut away because of the, obviously the lip on the TARDIS. So and yeah. I, couldn't re- I couldn't believe how noisy he was. I mean, the, the motors must have deafened in the studio. But one that, of the. Re- that scene
1: where he lifts his leg on the side of the TARDIS.
2: And <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. this early
0: on, he couldn't lift it himself. He had stage hands lifting it for him. <laughs> Right, but what's I just want to make a point that it's interesting yes. how well established K9 is in this story because many times we will see like origins stories like someone when when a character is first introduced and like and you go back and watch them like oh well he he or she was so different when they were, at first and then but K you know then they evolved the character or whatever and it changes but K9 is essentially how he was introduced in this story is how he stays, you know, for the most part, um, throughout the series. So it's, it's, it's interesting how spot on they got and how, exta- how well they established K-9 for this story.
2: That's I a mean, brilliant point. Even
1: brilliant if, you, point. Even if you fast forward to, to School Reunion, yeah. I mean, he's ex- exactly the same. Same voice, same abilities. There's nothing introduced new to K-9 in School Reunion that he doesn't have in the story.
2: And when you watch something like Red Dwarf and you see that, you know, how Kryten has changed, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely spot on there. Doctor- Negative,
4: negative, negative. No entry, no entry. Look, whatever you are, I I am see... K-9 and I am warning you. Look, I came to see the doctor. I arrived with him. I do have offensive capability. You have been warned. Retreat, retreat. Patient in total isolation, contagion risk. Retreat, retreat. Who are you? I am Leela. Ah
5: yes, of course. The doctor's um, aid. I
4: think so.
5: K nine, memorize friend.
4: Memorized friend. Is that
5: tin thing something to do that with you? That tin thing is my best friend and constant companion. He's a computer. You see, on Earth I always used to have a dog, but up here the weight penalty—well, just not possible. So I had K nine made up. He's very useful. He's my own personal data bank. He
2: knows everything
5: that I do, don't you, Kenai? Affirmative. And more, Master.
2: One of the other echoes that I liked about this one, not exactly for the same reason, but um, we've got the the DVD coming out 20th of August, The Planet of the Giants, which, again, deals with this sort of uh, thing on scale. We don't want to spoil these two stories too much, but... um, you know, I thought I thought that was excellent, and one further thing I would absolutely say, not related to the plot, I couldn't believe as I've just rewatched it how much humour there was in this story, Lewis, mm. between well, the you know leela and the Doctor and so on. It, I,
0: we should make a point that this is written by Bob Baker, Bob Baker and David Martin, which were a um, they, they were partners in writing for a long time. They've written many stories together. And um, unfortunately, I think, Dave, we lost Dave Martin a, a few years ago. And um, but it's I thought, yeah, I, I think the, the writing here is outstanding. My only problem is I and I agree with you, Dave, that there's there's humor in it. There's um, a lot of um, the, a lot of interest with the characters and the writing and, and the dialogue to except for. The character of the nucleus, I mean I think uh, what Ian just said before, I think it 's genius that they decided to make the you know the villain the foe you know a uh, a virus, and okay, we can look past the it, when it when we do see it, it looks just like a a shrimp, shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: the shrimp under, but we can look past that go there.
0: <laughs> my problem is that the dialogue written for the shrimp. <laughs> Is is very cliche and typical. It's your megalomaniac, you know. I, Don't throw me on the Barbie. Yeah, it's it's that typical cliche um, villain dialogue, which doesn't. Every,
4: going to take over everything.
0: You know, ev- you. everything else in this story is written very well and very modern, and it it doesn't really. Th- this just. It seems like it was written, um, and, you know, I don't know, that would be my only complaint, really, in the story is, um, I mean, I I could go on saying, okay, well, there's a lot of science errors in it, and, you know, again, Doctor Who's science fiction slash fantasy with a small S on the science, um, they, they, they do a lot of ambitious stuff here, a lot of, they take a lot of liberties with science and all that, so... But if you can go overlook that there's there's a story behind it all, and you can enjoy the story and enjoy the characters uh but my only problem here was just the dialogue for the the nucleus itself the the villain just seemed a little cliche um other than, i mean if it just sounds like you've heard it all before from all these like you know cliche villains you know like that, that it just seems like the same dialogue that you've heard before, except for uh, you know must go and spawn and it's a spawning time, and you know um I don't know but other than that. I think it 's a good story,,
2: but they still make that same mistake nowadays, I mean with the the Lazarus experiment, I mean that was I, I really enjoyed that story until I saw that bizarre creature that came oh, out with the
1: creature and uh, just
2: ruined it, it which is, is I think what you 're saying about this one the creature was a uh, A bit of a letdown well
0: i can get over the looks you know i can buy you know if the character's written well and i can just you know use my imagination and and say well okay this is the best i could do you know and they they did a a great shrimp you know (laughs) it just
1: just felt like going out for sushi
0: (laughs) it's just the, the the dialogue i thought could have been written better for for the shrimp that's all
1: I thought I'd got
4: rid of you. You were mistaken. I made use of your escape route through the eye. Yes. You'd have known about that, wouldn't you? Another mistake and a
3: costly one, Time Lord, because now, thanks to your dimensional stabilizer, I am no longer forced to exist in the micro-world to breed and multiply. My swarm, when it is hatched on Titan, will no longer be invisible, microbes prey to all, but mighty and invulnerable creatures, invincible. The age of man is over, Doctor. The age of the
4: virus has begun. I've heard it all before. You megalomaniacs are all the same. Bring him with us to Titan to be consumed
3: by the swarm.
1: And just a note to anybody wondering where they've heard Bob Baker's name before: uh, he's actually the uh, the writer of four scripts for the Wallace and Gromit films: uh, The Wrong oh. Trousers, Close Shave, uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit.
0: I love Wallace Blood and Yes.
1: Yes. yes. Uh so do my boys. My boys love Wallace and Gromit.
0: I'm so, glad you brought uh, he's that actually,
1: up. Actually he's the the as of two thousand ten, he's the only surviving script writer from the Third Doctor era.
0: Wow,
1: a, a shame. I mean it's good that he's still alive. I'm not saying it's a
0: shame. It's <laughs> no, no, alive. no. I, I know what you mean Don't
1: get me wrong. I don't wish I let anybody. Um but yes, he's uh uh, known for the Close of Exos, the Mutants, the Three Doctors, the Sontar Experiment, the Hand of Fear, the Invisible Enemy, Underworld, Factor, and Nightmare of Eden. Hmm. And for all but three of those, he collaborated with David Martin
0: well i wanna also make a mention that the d v d also contains the uh, um k nine and Company the special with elizabeth sladen and uh, they did this as a possible spin off it was came out i think around Christmas time in nineteen eighty or eighty one and it was um i i didn't I, I, this review doesn't isn't <laughs> pertaining to that that that, <laughs> we, <laughs> that I I'm just this review is just for the Invisible Enemy. What I what I may do is uh do a Who patch extra for that. But uh but I just wanted to make a mention that I you know, I didn't want to go without saying that it's included on the disc. So it's an extra right. bonus if you're looking to get this DVD. There are as far as extras pertaining to the Invisible Enemy, there's several extras there. Are, of course is the commentary and the infotext that we spoke about before. There there's also a couple um um clips that they Included from various British shows with canine um, included, like Blue Peter. Uh, there's um, a couple uh, documentaries that are made just um, particular on this story and and the the special effects and the the model making that went into making this because back then everything on Doctor Who was model making. You know, if if it was a spaceship, it was a model. It, there was no CGI uh, ships back then. So um, and even though it may not hold up to today's standards, um, it's still, you'll be remiss by not enjoying, you know, taking it and, and enjoying what they did and what they were able to accomplish. This was, um, as I said, in the beginning of this review is a very ambitious story. There's a lot that they tackled. And, um, for, for the effects, there's probably more effects in this story, um, uh, of Doctor Who than, uh, than previous ones that preceded before that. So they had a lot on their plate and, um, and, you know, they, they did very well.
2: Yeah, I'm just looking at my old copy of uh, the Doctor Who magazine, that, that Mighty two, Mighty 200 list, and um, it came in at um, 164 out of 200, which is fairly low down, uh, bounded by one below it is The Long Game, which a lot of people from modern are not, not keen on, and the one above it is Planet of the Giants, which we were just talking about a moment ago.
1: See, I mean, just just purely for the for for what it brings to the history of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. I think it yeah. deserves a better rating yeah. than. Being I was just going to say the same thing. Game. Yeah, because really, yeah, I mean, the problem with the only problem with polls like that is they're viewed from now; they're not viewed from then. And the problem with doing this this whole miniaturization thing is you're dealing with. Yeah, really bad effects. You're dealing with, you know, chroma key, and
2: it doesn't hold up now. But I mean, the hey, adverts no, uh, have better effects than that nowadays.
1: Oh yeah, Hank, you can do better effects at home
2: <laughs> <sighs>
1: on a Mac. Um, <laughs> but uh, like I said, yeah, it's 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 great because it's part of the history of doctor who and you know, it's where K9 comes into it and you really can't go wrong with that. Uh, I, like I said, I'm a history buff as far as it comes to any kind of show. I like watching origin stories. I like watching, you know, turning points in shows where a new character, a new long running character is introduced. And this is one of them. So pick it up and watch it.
0: Exactly. You well, know, just for for the, for the, the historical, the historical, yeah, the historical, historical significance of it, yeah. Significance,
1: yes. It's it's one of the reasons why my my big favorites in classic who are Lutopolis and Castrovalva. It's a huge turning point in Doctor yes. Who for mm-hmm. me. You know, personally, it's yeah. You know,
0: yeah. Yeah. Great absolutely. stories.
4: Goodbye. Goodbye, Doctor, and thank you for everything you've done for us. It's been a pleasure, Professor, it's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Do you know that without K-9, I think we have been part of a oh. swarm by now? We'd never have managed without him. <laughs> Her. It. Sorry, K-9. Apologies are not necessary. Oh, oh. Thank you, Mistress.
5: I think K-9 has taken to you. <laughs> oh, actually, <clears throat> I have to return to Earth shortly, and you could do me a great favour if...
4: Take K9 with us?
5: Yes. No. Yes. Oh.
4: oh, please, Doctor. Please, please, let's take him.
5: Oh. K9 seems to have made up his own mind. <laughs> <sighs> I only hope he's is trained
0: Well, that's the invisible enemy, and um, oh, there is a this is one of those DVDs that does have an Easter egg, so you got to play around with the menu to, to get the, to that. And um, um, so, check it out, it's episode, it's uh, story number 93. And I said the DVDs out came out in 2008, and it includes um, K9 and Company, a girl's best friend. All right, all right, well. Um, I think what we'll do is uh, we'll take a short break and we'll come back with feedback. Hey, before going any further, I want to make a quick correction. I meant Fantastic Voyage, not Fantastic Journey. Fantastic Journey is another film project or TV movie or something like that. Fantastic Voyage was the movie I was comparing um, The Invisible Enemy to. So it's that time of the year again. It's This June is Blog World and New Media Expo 2012. Once again, they have a New York Expo taking place on June 5th to the 7th. It's the world's largest conference and expo for bloggers, podcasters, and web TV content creators. So um, I know many of our listeners are doing podcasts and or have blogs and whatnot. So if you are interested in attending, uh, please—well, first of all, if you are going, please, um, if you see me there, please do say hi. I met with several listeners last year and had a good time there, along with other podcasters and new media producers. So it's a great event for that. and. and if you're interested in going, you can get tickets. You can buy tickets through an ad on our site. If you go to pachak.net on the left-hand column, you can get tickets there. And also, you can get a discount. I have a code for you. And you get a 10% discount. The discount code is B-W-A-P, as in Peter, V, as in Vincent, I-P-1010. It's the Blog World and New Media Expo 2012. On the East Coast, it's um, they also have a West Coast show as well. On the East Coast, it's in New York, June fifth through the seventh. I believe it's at the Jacob Javits Convention Center. So I hope to see you there. They last year was the first time they had a East Coast show. So the show is expanding. I um, had gone to the West Coast show several times before that. So it's uh it's good to have it in our hometown. Well, my hometown at least. Or my at least in my backyard at least. Once again, to get tickets, go to podchock.net and look for the banner on the left-hand side, left ban- side banner for that, side column for the banner for that. And sp- Speaking of banners on our website, there's a banner to become a Pachak supporting subscriber as well. We can't do this show without you, so we are forever grateful for our supporting subscribers, and we'd like to give something back when we can to those that support the show. So we have these books that we're going to give out, The Mythological Dimensions of Neil Gaiman, which we have a couple books to give out, which we'll... We're hoping to get some of the editors on the show first to talk about the book before we start that promo. Uh, But don't let that stop you. Please uh, continue with your support. And if you're not already a supporter, go to podshock.net or artshop.com. And on the top there, you'll see a banner to become a Podshock supporting subscriber. And it really does make a difference. A big thank you for all our supporters. Once again, podshock.net. And now let's get back to the show with our feedback we're back with dr who and i just realized after we left last time that we forgot to well i forgot to remind and give mine and remind others about what their Tardis groans would be for you know how we rate this story the invisible enemy so we're going to do that now and I'll just say I'm going to give it four out of five Tardis groans, and the reason why is um, pretty much to what Ian was saying before: is for the historical significance of this story, that it introduces K9, and also, you know, we see the the White Tardis console room again, and um, there's, um, you know, for the ambitious storytelling, and the the writing's very good, except for the nucleus, in my opinion, but. Um, I mean, uh, they, you know, it may not be the most memorable story of Doctor Who, and but that's again, um, I think, you, and, and the effects today may not hold up, but I, I think we can surpass that, and I think they did a great job for what they had, and it does, um, it, it does, like I said, there's um, the, in fact, the original effects were historical for for Doctor Who because of what they were able to achieve at that time. And um, and like I said, it does introduce K-9, who's a major Doctor Who character, uh, who's uh, even transcended the original series and is in, um, you know, um, we see again in, in the new series, in the modern day Doctor Who series again. So um, not all characters from the past you could say that with. So, yes. So I give it four out of five.
2: OK, well, uh, I'll give it... Uh Probably not quite as high as that, although I, I do feel as though it's in a, a really good section of uh, uh, Leela, of course we've uh, uh, Hor- a horror of Frank Rock and uh, Talons of Wai Chiang and this one where she's really establishing herself as a very strong companion here, and she has a lot to do in it. Um, and uh, as you said, that we get the introduction of k 9 So I think I'd give it three and a half out of five.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All Um I'm kinda of stuck at a well, for the story as it stands, probably a three out of five. But for you know, the first appearance of K9, Michael Sheard, who I love.
0: Yeah, I was gonna um, make a point of that
1: too. <laughs> I mean, he's he's got a long history in Doctor Who and and I I think he's great. I mean, I I love him. I love him and everything. So uh and especially John Scott Martin. I love the behind-the-scenes people—the people who are in a costume, and you know you can't see their face—and they do so much stuff. You know, it's it's worth mentioning that uh, that uh, John Scott Martin operated the Daleks from from nineteen sixty-five. Mm-hmm. The chase through uh, to Remembrance of the Daleks. You know. Uh, we we often talk about people you know who have been in the show a long time, and you see them on screen all the time, and have been in this episode and that. It's it's worth it mentioning. It's a shame that we've lost them, but uh, yeah. Again, John Scott Martin. He maybe dresses as a shrimp, but he's good by me. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm I'm going to bump it up to to, to a four uh, because of those things. yeah uh, you know, I know I, I agree. I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. of of significance. And <laughs> and if you find significance significant, significant uh, you'll find this episode significant. So yeah, four totus grooms out of five.
0: No, I I, I agree. I, I, I feel exactly the same. Like I said, it's not the most memorable story. Will you watch it over and over again? Perhaps not, but it's still good to pull out now and then and, and watch it again. I should also make a mention that the commentary includes Louise Jameson, John Leeson, um, visual effects designer Matt Irving, Irvine, and uh, and co-writer Bob Barker, um, Baker, Bob Baker are included in the commentary on all four episodes and they provide interesting commentary. John Leeson is a delight. We interviewed him last year. Uh, we did a Dr. Hipacha Extra edition episode with an interview with him and I have to say sitting down and interviewing with him he, it it feels like like an immediate like we were a long time friend. I don't know why he just has that aurora, aurora around him that you just feel comfortable and you feel like you've just known him for a long time even if you just met him. And um, and I think that that feeling is also um, apparent on the commentary and you know some of the extras he appears on as well. So definitely worth checking out for the history of Doctor Who. All right. So we're going to get to feedback. And um, as always, we always welcome your feedback and you can leave us feedback easily by calling the PodChock public call box. And the number to do that is 206-984-3543. It's a, we don't charge anything for that, but it's a it's a U.S. number. So, you know, your local... Phone company charges may apply, so just be aware of that. Once again, 206-984-3543 is the Pachock public call box number. You call that, and you can just leave a message. Alternatively, you could um, send in uh, feedback via email at feedback at net. Since this is an audio podcast, we do prefer audio feedback whenever possible. And uh, if you have a smartphone, you know iPhone or Android or whatever, you can probably record a voice memo and then email it to us, and that works as well. We so... can't read. <laughs> well, I can't read. Dave, Dave can, and, and, um, and I'm sure Ian, you can as well. But
2: I, I got a compliment. I got a compliment on Facebook for the uh, the person who sent in that one that I read out. You said, yeah, you uh, did a great job. Thank you very much indeed for saying so. Thank you. Yes.
0: Coming in on the Park on the Park public call box is Keith from Chicago, and this is what Keith had to say.
5: Hey guys, Keith from Chicago. Uh, I Just wanted to call with um, a little. Uh, I don't know. I I, me and my daughter, we watch uh, Young Justice on uh, Cartoon Network, and uh, in past few episodes, there's been some. Uh, interesting reference. Um, references at one point uh, green arrow and his protege uh... Artemis uh... a young woman, woman archer they were walking down the alley after defeating some bad guys and they came up to a blue police public call box uh... that looks very familiar uh, Artemis went inside to be teleported to Young Justice is uh, <clears throat> home base. Uh, so, I mean, that was like a blatant, blatant reference. Here was a more subtle one. They, they have a, uh, a little cartoon during all these episodes, a little side cartoon. And uh, one of them uh, had a, a, a super villain like was fighting King Titan. And the super villain was manipulating time using a British uh, telephone box with uh, a Scottish character. and sounded David tennant when he speaks Scottish. And, uh, you know, he would manipulate time through it. And I, you know, I got the feeling that's what they were going for, you know. But I just thought you guys might be interested
3: in it. Uh, yeah,
5: so uh, you guys, uh, can. um, see you at uh, Chicago Targets this year, uh, if so let uh, so can buy you a pint, and uh, I, I'll be there all weekend. Uh, it's my birthday weekend, so I get to go, I get to drop the family for a little bit, although I tried to take my daughter, she's semi into it, but she's still young, she's only six. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, so I hope to see you there, uh, Lewis. be nice you out there one of these
0: days uh and actually your whole crew is, you know dave and james that'd be awesome uh so you
1: guys have a good and i will talk to you later well thank you keith very nice oh, that's fabulous and um uh, might i say keith uh parenting you're doing it right
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> get him in young get him in young is what i say
0: yeah, I was thinking of you, Ian, when he was talking about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is actually a YouTube video of my son, probably two or three months old, stopping from crying because he hears the Doctor Who theme.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's the search criteria to get that, Ian? Uh,
1: the, 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 the Doctor Who video is Doctor Who Baby. Uh, there's a couple of things <laughs> that pop up, but yes, there's my wife with uh, with my son, Callum. Uh, sitting on her lap, uh, and the only thing that can silence his cries is the Doctor Who
2: theme. <laughs> the scream of the column.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I I I'd heard about those. Uh, well, especially the first one um, of the 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 appearance of the police call box, and that's that's fantastic. It's it's another example of of how doctor who's kind of bleeding into mm-hmm. the u.s consciousness you know, are, getting... are
0: these u.s shows because i'm not familiar with them yes
1: it's uh young justice it's it's uh, like justice league
0: like i thing.
1: see. so the cartoon, uh, cartoon on cartoon network so it's I, I guess it's not necessarily as much of um these things bleeding into to uh to to u.s cultural stuff but it's the fact, I think that a lot of writers now feel that they can include these things, mm-hmm. and that they're going to get picked up by people like us. Yeah, that um, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to slip a Doctor Who reference in here, and and we'll see how many people pick it up because they know people are now paying attention. So yeah, that was great. Yeah, I
0: mean, it used thank to be that you. you would have to watch Danger Mouse or something like that to get you know another British show, but it's great that it's as you said, bleeding into American culture as well. So that's fantastic.
2: Excellent. And just to mention, by the way, that, uh, that clip that I was talking about a moment ago from last week's feedback was uh, from Bill McCann. It was that about the screaming of the Schalke mm-hmm. that he'd sent him.
0: Yeah, no, it was great feedback, and you know, we always welcome Bill's feedback. And um, he's does if again go to Podshock.net because a lot of the stuff that Bill has has writes is on the website, and we don't get to include it on the podcast a lot. So um, definitely, you'll be missing out on a lot if you don't go to the, um, our website and check out everything that he puts up there. Not uh, check in the forums because he's he writes a lot of material there. Um, again, that's Blue Box Bill and we appreciate his we appreciate his feedback and what he, his contributions to the website.
1: If I end up going to Chicago Tetris instead of Ken or yourself, can I get a pint?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. From me, yeah. I, we'll not, for, we'll I know, I know. From Keith.
1: <laughs> and it is Sophie and and, and Sylvester. So.
0: <laughs> well, I I would like to get there. It's just a matter of budget, the concerns that um I haven't yet. So, um if they bring me out there or if I can afford to get there, I'll get there. All right, well, okay. I think, uh, speaking of getting there, I think we, we've got to the point where it's the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, well, my wine's just run out, so...
1: Yes. And I'm on the Dream Viewie now, so you know it's over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's been a fun show. We promised a fun show, and I'm so appreciative to have Dave and Ian with me, and uh, it's, um, it was a really fun and fantastic time a fantastic voyage of a time yes
1: yes you'll be seeing us a miniature
0: <laughs> though these two are larger than life
1: uh no it's the alcohol i think
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah thank you very much for having me along and uh it was a it was a pleasure to come along and and,
2: and a lot of fun well yeah. you're always welcome Ian was acting as my parole officer on this one. (laughs) Yes, somebody has to keep the man in check.
0: And as we said on the top of the show, you can catch them both on the Cultum Collective. Um, It's available via TalkShoe and also on iTunes. Just do a search for Cultum Collective. And um, every Sunday they do a live show. If you don't catch it live, you can catch it recorded via the podcast um, feed. Yes.
1: Do you want to do the, the ramble there, Dave?
2: Leave ramble. <laughs> <laughs> Never.
1: Talk show ID five four eight two one, and you get us on iTunes. Just look for the keyword Toldom.
0: Cool. Yeah, I'm good at that now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you both, and until next time, cheers, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan-run GallifrandEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at TheJeffSmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Galafran Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Shock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store.
3: I am the virus and the nucleus of the swarm. For millennia
4: we have hung dormant in space, waiting for the rights, carriers to come along. Carriers? What do you mean carriers? I'm not a porter.